Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. And away we go, hour two, a great day for talk radio. There's so much to address here. I don't know where we start or where we end. Uh, well, we end at 7 o'clock, Ernie Eves and company after 6. We've got our panel, topics worthy of discussion. One that we've been addressing has to do with Patrick Brown and his just-released tome, Takedown, the attempted political assassination of Patrick Brown. It sounds pretty ominous and dramatic, doesn't it? It's not exactly like, uh, you know, JFK and Dealey Plaza, but... Uh, <laughs> Then again, even the account there, I'm not sure which one to believe. If you believe all of the conspiracy theories, there are about 161 marksmen taking shots that afternoon, uh, Oswald notwithstanding. But that all being said, let's uh, put everything that is important into perspective and context with our friend Mark Stein, international best-selling author and host of The Mark Stein Show. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. My favorite one on the uh, Kennedy was uh, Trump in the 2016 election. Uh, when he said that Ted Cruz's dad had been on the grassy knoll. Uh, I believe I believe that. I think Ted Cruz's dad was in on the Kennedy assassination. And then only uh, a couple of years back, he took out Patrick Brown, too. He's a versatile guy, Ted Cruz's father. Right. What was he doing in Canada anyway if he wasn't laying the groundwork for taking out Patrick Brown 40 years later. Kneecapping Patrick Brown, absolutely. Uh, that was reason enough to come up here to this great white north. Uh, maybe he was doing it in concert with Woody Harrelson's dad. I think he was implicated at one point as well. There were so many names. Hard to go through the whole registry. But, you know, it's funny because uh, Patrick Brown has made allegations against his uh, former colleagues in this book, and some are rather salacious and sordid. And I just wondered earlier last hour, I wanted to get your comment on this, because allegations these days, even if unproven, and Vic Fidelli, the current finance minister in the province, is the one against whom these allegations have been made of sexual impropriety. Is that enough to derail a political or a judicial career? We saw what did we learn from the Kavanaugh case, for example? Well, the Kavanaugh case, they pushed it too far. They were going on about things that were happening uh, 36 years ago, and uh, nobody wanted to see people destroyed for that. It's a, it's a lot more difficult uh, when it's just a couple of years ago. I mean, we should say with Patrick Brown uh, that both these women's stories sort of pretty much, in legal terms, pretty much collapsed. Um, the problem with Patrick Brown, of course, is that uh, there appear to be thousands of people who utterly loathe him. And so in that case, the Me Too stuff... Uh, more or less functioned as the equivalent of getting Al Capone on tax evasion. You know, you I mean, uh, you use what you have to hand mm. if you want to uh, if you want to get rid of someone. And basically, uh, the Me Too stuff is the easiest is the easiest thing to hand. It shouldn't be like that. Um, you know, there are a thousand and one legitimate reasons for getting rid of Patrick Brown. But uh, the, these accusers 
Um, as I said, I think that is the equivalent of Al Capone uh, tax evasion. But if he actually won, uh, you know, the leadership of the party fair and square, I mean, getting rid of him, uh, that sounds ominous because it, it does sound like palace intrigue. And uh, Lisa McLeod, you know, he indicts her for being conspiratorial in the sense like, et tu, Lisa? One of those afternoons, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, the, 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 the trouble, I mean, I think generally you should be able to get, a caucus should be able to get rid of a party leader. I'm in favor of the Australian thing where they have what they call spills. Hmm. Uh, and and uh, somebody, if I've, it's a very small number. If they want to call a leadership vote, they call a leadership vote. It happened to Malcolm Turnbull, the prime minister, just a couple of months back. They called a leadership vote. Uh, he was confident he was going to win it. Instead, uh, he lost it. And the replacement guy is on his way to the governor general's to take his oath of office within like 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, now, if you recall, uh, and Australia, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Australia's, uh, Australia's leadership elections have got quicker, so they now happen in nothing flat. You can have multiple ones in a day when they're really cooking. Uh, and then, whereas Canada's seem to have gotten slower and I, I'm generally in favor. I think the Australian way is better. It's certainly better than fitting some guy up with uh, a bunch of phony Me Too allegations. But as I said, the problem here is that there, there are thousands of people uh, figuring out, uh, d- decided that they didn't want to have Patrick Brown around. I mean, he's not short of enemies. And the thing about a parliamentary system is you've got to like, keep your caucus cool. Uh, and he he didn't, and that's that. You you get the guy on what you can get him on. You know, it's interesting you mention that because there are a lot of different ways I can go with this conversation now as to uh, where parliamentary democracy is at work and so on and so forth. Uh, let's take the situation in the states because here in Canada, you know, we've got our own issues with voters and uh, voter fraud. But what the dickens is going on in Florida as we speak? Well, wait, wait a minute. Look, I'm uh, I I love many things about America, but their inability to hold uh, clean elections on election day is pathetic. I mean, I remember all the Bush versus Gore stuff uh, from the year 2000, and that went on basically from uh, whatever it is, the first Tuesday in November, from uh, when uh, Al Gore recanted his concession. He called Bush at four in the morning and said he was taking back his concession. And uh, and and Bush goes, you're not serious. And Al Gore said to him, there's no need to get snippy. <laughs> and, and, the, and, and the snippiness continued <laughs> for the next six weeks. And then eventually, and, and, and the whole system's a joke. If you remember all the hanging chads, swinging chads, pregnant chads, dimpled chads, <laughs> flat chads, was the, uh, uh, which is the chad with no... Uh, and so it's not that you have the right to vote anymore. It's that you have the right to have your vote interpreted by chad diviners, which is like some cerem- ancient ceremonial chad divining ceremony they had in Florida. And we all left Florida when that eventually got sorted out and assumed they'd clean up their act. And 18 years later, it's the same filthy toilet of corruption 
as before. And what I can't stand is, you know, they always say, well, you know, Broward, I mean, for a start, only uh, something like 28% of eligible voters voted in this election. You can imagine what it would be like if everybody showed up. It'd be chaos. You wouldn't know the result uh, for two or three years. These guys always make sense. Well, we were, we were, we thought we were prepared, uh, but uh, then it turns out, you know, we weren't really. I mean, they talk about it as if it's, you know, the fact that it's Tuesday and an election's being held caught them completely by surprise. <laughs> like it's a tsunami. A uh, hurricane just suddenly swept in. We couldn't have seen it. Act of God. We couldn't have seen it coming. So never mind who won on election day. We won't really know who won until we've had three weeks of... Re- this is... Perf- I mean, you can say a lot of things about Canada, and I've certainly said them over the years. Mm-hmm. And you can say them about New Zealand. You can say them about Australia. But America is very rare in the English-speaking world in its total inability to hold an election on election day i mean that's crazy i mean if you're used to the american thing and then you watch like uh, election special on you know on canadian tv and they they start at uh, whatever it is 10 p.m when the polls on the west coast close and at 10.06, they can tell you who's won every seat. <laughs> and you can have an early night. It's boring as hell, but at least it's not filthy and corrupt like the state of Florida or the state of Arizona. Again with Mark Stein. Well, now let's just talk about Canada because we've got this thing, uh, Bill C-76, and Justin Trudeau, you know, is trying to reform the Elections Act. And he's suggesting at this point that registration cards are adequate ID for Canadians, despite the uh, Elections Canada people finding uh, their, what, 270? Uh, 207,000 dead people that they know about, 57,000 non-citizens. You know, it's the honor system, basically. Mark, is that any better? Well, I'm in favor of the dead people because, uh, on the whole, they're uh, they're less stupid in their voting habits than the average uh, social justice snowflake crowd. So, I'm actually in favor of uh, of raising the uh, age at which you can vote uh, to like uh, 37, and including people who have died within the last 30 years. I mean, I would like, I would quite like, uh, I, I I'm I'm relaxed about that. The non-citizens. Um, I I think that really strikes at the I think citizenship is about allegiance and therefore voting is a privilege of your allegiance. And I didn't like they had a Quebec cabinet minister who was a, a French citizen. This be back in the uh, around about the turn of the century and she'd been voting illegally in uh in in Quebec and Canadian elections. And I th- I and she she didn't understand when she was called on it and had to resign. She didn't understand why it's a big deal, but it is a big deal. You, can, you this this is not this idea of of just letting uh, just because you ha- it, it's somehow racist or whatever, uh, or, or you're like a borderline Trump, or you're going you know full populist like Victor Orban. If you think that people actually ought to be able to prove that they're citizens of the country they vote in. Uh, I think that's I think that's the basic. And, and, and in Canada and in America and everywhere else, you've got to show ID for everything now. You can't check into a hotel. You can't walk into most office buildings. You've got to show ID for everything. Yet somehow the left's position is that the one thing that should be easy to do is just to stroll into a polling booth.
Yeah, well, you know, sovereignty does matter, and uh, it's interesting because Justin Trudeau has actually called Canada a post-national state with no core identity. And I know nationalism's been debated. It's a contentious issue or concept these days. It became a, a talking point on the weekend with Macron and uh, Merkel and all of those over there for the commemoration of, uh, you know, uh, the armistice, 100 yeah. years. And then, you know, talking about nationalism in terms like it's code or a dog whistle, uh, is it all bad? No, I I think the what's bad is the Trudeau thing. That basically he's saying uh, a nation is just like Gate uh, Forty Two at Pearson. It's a collection of whoever happens to be standing around in it. And I don't. I, and, uh, and its roots are, are, are no more, are no go no deeper than if you've got some two-hour uh, air traffic control delay. That's. I think that's actually far more stupid and far more insulting. What What I love is the way everybody wants to have it both ways so that uh, Canada uh, it, it, when when they talk about the Great War they oh yeah Can- Canadian uh, nationhood was uh, formed at Vimy uh, and uh, but but uh, and you're saying oh yeah isn't that a bad thing because we're like a post national nation now I mean this idea that you th- 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 it's insufficient Canada is a, a, a nation with very particular roots and it's totally insulting to all the people who built the country to to just take this, uh, I think, actually rather nihilistic view of it that, uh, that Justin takes. And it's one reason why the sesquicentennial was the biggest bust in history. I mean, Justin Trudeau threw the worst party anyone's thrown in 150 years <laughs> because of that kind of thinking. And finally, I've got to ask, because there is some talk of Hillary Clinton taking another run up the hill. She wants to be president in 2020. What do you hear? What do you know? Will the third time be the charm, Mark? Yeah, I I think she should run. I think she should run every four years. I certainly know that Trump's in favor of that, too. Mm. Um, I said uh, I said the one advantage of that is that if uh, Trump, it is Trump-Hillary again in 2020, when the Florida Democrats decide to steal the election, uh, they'll be able to use all the old 2016 Hillary Clinton ballots they've got lying around from last time <laughs> instead of having to run the photocopier all night as they're doing in Broward and Palm Beach County, even as we speak. By the way, they're trying to include they're trying to include uh, uh, non-citizen votes down there. So any Canadian snowbirds. Uh, who want to vote for Hillary, just make sure that in 2020 you leave early in November and uh, you'll be able to vote in Florida. It's fabulous. Everyone should vote. I'm, I'm thinking of voting in the Sudanese election. <laughs> uh, it's really good. The, the, uh, the opposition candidate is offering twice as many free machetes. It's fantastic. Right. I thought I'd vote there. And, of course, if you're a Canadian snowboard, uh, snowboard you'll be instructed by Justin Trudeau. <laughs> All right. It's off the rails. I'm sorry, Stein. (laughs) We've lost it. We'll have to reconnoiter on another occasion. Always a pleasure. Very, very good. Talking to Mark Stein. You you got it. International best-selling author and host of The Mark Stein Show.